And now, it's time for... No, I don't live in my parents' basement. A show that covers comics, movies, music, pop culture, and everything in between. Here's your host, BJ Kennard and Adam Dellinger. Hey, welcome to the very first episode of No, I Don't Live in My Parents' Basement. As uh, Malcolm just mentioned, I am BJ Kennard. And I'm Adam Dellinger. Yeah, and so we are, we are comic book fans. Uh, and more so, we're fans of uh, movies, music, pop culture, as the intro says. Uh, and the main thing we want to mention for the, for the name of the show, which is No, I Don't Live in My Parents' Basement, as to why that is the name of the show, it's because if you're a grown adult, male or female, and you collect comics, or if you're into sci-fi or any of that stuff, usually it comes with the statement of, oh, you live in your parents' basement? Why is that always a thing, too? Because you and I shop at the same local comic store. Right, yeah. And I feel like every time I go in there, that the ratio of non-basement dwellers to basement dwellers is much higher than you would think. It is. And it, and and we want to get out of there too. That it's okay if you do live in your parents' basement. <laughs> sure, it is okay. I mean, heck, you're probably a millennial then. Uh, but but I think the stigma is if you like it and you collect comics. Because I go to the comic book store every Wednesday. Sure. And I've got my stuff that I get every week. My orders. You tend to be a once a monther. I am. I go at the end of the month. I don't know why. That's just the way that I do it. And I'll. Uh, you know, spend $150 and go yeah. home with two bags. Yeah, which is fine. But, you know, I, I like the idea of knowing that I'm going and that I might miss something. Sure. So if I'm not there on Wednesday, maybe it gets sold out. Case in point, uh, this Wednesday, uh, the new Guardians of the Galaxy came out. Number one. This is after Thanos has been killed and there's a new Guardians of the Galaxy team that's going to be formed. I It was pulled for me, but there's a dude in the store who's like, oh, you got any more of these? And the answer was no. Uh, they were already sold out of those. Just like that. No more Guardians, number one. Something else you were looking for this week, too, or are we jumping way ahead right now? No, there was something this week, but it got order. I had to ask a, a week or two ago. It was Naomi. Yep. Uh, which is uh, a Bendis book. And it's, I don't really know much about it except for it's a girl in a hometown, some little superhero, supervillain battle happens. And then. Uh, she starts to investigate how often they happen in her town or something like that. Maybe she's got some sort of secret because maybe she doesn't know where she comes from. And it really is supposed to lead into something bigger, like some sort of a mystery solve. And it starts here with Naomi. And we we know nothing about it, but aren't we kind of under the impression that it is not a direct tie-in to anything that the DC Universe has going on at the moment? But we don't know. That's the beauty of it. It's, it's one of those kind of bended, shrouded, and mystery things to where uh, maybe it dirt ties into uh, Superman had a fling. And this is an offshoot uh, from a, a drunken escapade uh, back in the 90s. And you're a huge Bendis fan. Uh, you know, I'm not... I, I'm, like, I feel like out of between the two of us, I'm the artist guy and you're the story guy. 100%. And Because I love artists. Right. So if you're... Your story is mediocre, but you've like my favorite artist, as you know, and I'll reveal to you, uh, is uh, Joe. M- I, I always try to go for it, and I always miss it. Just back down and just say mad. Oh come on, it's, it's on the <laughs> Joe Maduria. Maduria. I always think it's matter. It's it's Joe Joe Mad is my favorite artist. Right. Honest to goodness, if he would do a book, I hate. He could go and I don't even know what I like. Let's say that they are about to do the Wonder Twins. Wonder Twins are about to get their own comic. I will never read that thing. But if Joe Mad did the first issue, all of it, guess who's going to buy it? Me. 
Are we talking all-time favorite artist? He is my all-time favorite artist. Above? Everyone. Everyone. I find that, uh, that's a lot to wrap your head around. Well, there's a lot of great artists out there, but for me, in, in just Joe Mad's style, because it's kind of like... I mean, McFarlane, bro. You know, I, McFarlane's in my top five, but there's something about McFarlane, though. Like, his noses are a little off for me, almost like Rob Liefeld, and his noses are a little... Like, that's a Liefeld nose. That's a McFarlane nose. That sort of thing. Like, he, like when you go to Jim Lee, Jim, who's my number two guy... Because all of his stuff is just classic yet innovative. And so I can look at a Jim Lee thing, know that it's Jim Lee, and love it. I'll buy anything that he does either. This is the Ramos thing that we Humberto have. Ramos. It, it's the Ramos eyeballs. Number three for me. So you have a problem with McFarlane's nose. Yeah, and, and I have a massive problem with the Ramos eyeballs. Yeah. yeah he I, has big hands, big feet, big eyes. It's, you know what it is? It's, uh, it's like manga. Yeah, exactly. It's Dragon Ball Z, or yeah. it's uh, or it's a uh, Ghost in the Machine, or yeah. something. And I don't like Japanime. Like I don't watch any of it. I'm not a fan of any of that stuff. So you'll probably, unless you love that, it's probably never going to be on this podcast. But to BJ's point, you mentioned that you're the artist guy, yeah. and I'm the writer guy, and that would explain why I keep walking into the comic shop and just. I don't have enough good things to say about the Thor art right, right. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that everybody that enjoys comic books for their art literally laughs. I mean, I've been laughed at for that yeah. comment. Nobody likes the direction that the Thor art is going in right now. I lo- I want to frame the books. Yeah. Well, the thing is, I think if you're a comic book purist and you like kind of traditional comic book drawing, there's a lot of stuff today that, that doesn't uh, like fit into that mold. But if you we, you know we just wrapped up 2018, all these lists came out of like the top 50 artists of the year. If you look at the top 10 lists on a lot of these, it's to me a lot of not cut and paste artists, but it looks like a lot of graphic design artists. Well, that's, like they couldn't go in and do like if you're like, hey, do me a cool looking caricature of Superman, like that make it look like Superman. Right. It would look like some sort of an Art Deco Superman. Right. Or like a silhouette kind of thing of that. And the, the Thor isn't necessarily that. It's more, I think, of a graphic in nature and almost like it's sort of painted on there, but not an Alex Ross style of paint of realism. It's you know like what? abstract paint. I think of it as if psychedelia mm-hmm. would have taken place in 1937 instead of 1967, that's what Thor looks like right yeah. now, which I think is cool because it's different. However, uh, my artist... Is Greg Capullo. Yeah. But yeah, who's a McFarlane guy? It, it, who is a McFarlane guy? And what's interesting about uh, Greg and that art, and the reason that I like it so much, is because he is more of a traditionalist mm-hmm. with his own flavor. Now, yeah. I'm also in a singular camp there, too, because I've never heard anybody else clamor over Greg Capullo's artwork. I like Greg. And here's another thing I don't know. Do you know that he shreds on guitar? I've heard that, but I don't know how he shreds on guitars. He a, like a metal head, yeah, or it's it's usually metalish stuff yeah, yeah, or yeah. rock. Because if follow him on Instagram, and he'll do videos. He, there's almost as many videos of him just playing guitar as there is of anything that he's drawn lately. And because uh, for those uh, Adam is a is a big guitarist, because uh, we will cover off on music here, uh, not to spoil anything, but Adam is a giant John Mayer fan, and uh, married to a woman. 
<laughs> that is also correct. Yes, with a child. Yeah, married to a woman. Just want to point that loves out. Loves John Mayer. Yeah. and has a, a lady in your life. Yeah, um, I didn't know that. I will follow him on Instagram, yeah. which uh, we should point out too that w- by the time you hear this, we will have established as well. Yes, th- th- right. Th- and we'll 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 fish around for what it is. I'll add it to the end of this to see what I was <laughs> yeah. able to to, to do because the name of the show is No, I Don't Live in My Parents' Basement. That is a long stuff, right? To be able to do that, like the the, the podcast website is no, I don't live in my ba- my parents' basement. Podbean.com. and then uh, so you, we're gonna do a lot of stuff that's just no basement. We're gonna we're gonna condense that down to no basement. So we'll see if we can grab that up on Twitter. Uh, you'll know by the end of this uh, and uh, the Instagram and all that stuff. But I like Greg Capullo. Uh, I like the fact that his art has a lot of detail to it as well. So I'll I'll buy the things. I grew up a Marvel guy, uh, so the very first comic I remember getting, or the thing that got me into it was, I was in the fifth grade, so I don't know what year that was, like 1985 or 86, somewhere in there. Sure. I'm, I'm assuming, but I don't even know. And uh, the the new issue that was out, I, I come to find later on, uh, uh, is Uncanny X-Men 242. So it's, it's this Inferno saga that they had. Marlon Hurt and Josh Maurice were in my class in fifth grade, and they had this book. Mark Silvestri was the artist. On the cover, it's like this purple cover. And up at the top in the middle, it's Havoc and it's Storm and it's Wolverine. And then the original X-Men were coming back because X-Factor was a thing at the time. So it's you know Cyclops and Jean Grey and Beast and Iceman and Archangel all looking bright and colorful. I'm like, this is the cover. And Mark Sil- Silvestri is, is such a cool artist. I saw it. It's like I had to have it. So I told my mom that I wanted to go to the, the gas station. And that's when they did the turnstiles. You know, the little rolling, these turning racks. Yep. And I was able to pick up that comic. And then I got like a classic X-Men issue because they, they did like reprints. and They just mm-hmm. called it classic X-Men, I'm assuming, because it was cost uh, prohibitive uh, to maybe get another artist to redraw that stuff. That's also when the X-Men were, they hadn't hit their heyday yet. And that's on the way to it, I felt like. Well, I think they were hitting because that's, that's the Chris Claremont era. Right. You know, so Mutant Massacre had happened before that, and they had introduced, uh, you know, a couple, like Mr. Sinister was before that. Uh, Baby Cable happened uh, before that with Baby Nathan in, in like, t- like early 200s. They hadn't made video games and Not television yet. and all that, but they were almost there. Yeah, they're on the cusp. Uh, and then that, and so that's what sparked me into some of those comics, and it was Marvel. I was never a DC guy, and so it was just, it was that comic that did it. On the flip side... You were always a DC guy, hundred percent. And then just now, over the last little while, got into Marvel. Do you remember the like the first comic that like made you go? So my dad was a comic collector. Okay. Okay, and uh, I was probably Did he live in in his parents' basement. Uh, we well, lived in my mom's basement yeah, with well, me. Yeah. yeah, there yeah. You go. So yeah, uh, my my dad had a. Uh, this is before, you know, people didn't have long boxes or short yeah. boxes. That wasn't a thing. You had shoe boxes and rubber containers sure. and this sort of deal. Partially torn covers. Right. And so my dad uh, was going through some stuff in the attic and I was helping him out and he's showing me all these books and I saw Batman and this is 70s Batman. Yeah. This is actually Batman who is teamed up with Green Arrow. Okay. Like that was a pretty regular thing in the 70s, right? Like they're fighting the, it's like the war on drugs or something, you know? <laughs> yes, yeah. Like seriously, yeah. they're fighting the heroin epidemic, right. <laughs> which is yeah. so odd. It would never ha- Well, you know, uh, over the last couple of years, they start getting into some social commentary stuff. They are, right. Like the, if you pick up an, uh, an issue of Champions, 
over the last year or two. I stopped collecting it, number one, because Humberto Ramos stopped drawing it. And they started getting into stuff I didn't care about. I realized that I'm not a teenager. You're, well, you're right. But that also, uh, they did some of that stuff with Archie a couple of years ago. Uh-huh. And they did some of that stuff, too, with uh, Simon Simon Baz, the the Green Lantern, okay. who was the, the first. He was a Muslim guy, and he was from okay. Detroit. And it was a social company. The New 52 era. Yeah. They were doing a lot of that. But anyways, so. You saw Batman. I saw Batman, and uh, I had. Uh, VHS. Do you remember BJ when you would go to the uh, video rental store? Yeah, absolutely. You'd bring it home, and like my dad had the two VCR set up. Oh, and it would record one. one <laughs> yeah. No, we never did anything illegal like that. That is smart. No, so we did that, and uh, and so I had Batman. I had the '66 film with Burt Ward and Adam West and uh, Cesar Romero mm-hmm. and Burgess Meredith and all those great uh, characters. And so I knew about Batman, and he let me have some uh, Batman comic books, but I couldn't read. You know, that's amazing. So that's how young you were? Right. You were were 14. But I still, yeah, exactly. So I still have those comic books, but I also have something that my dad got me for Christmas that year, and I will never forget it. Like, uh, they don't make things like this anymore, but it was a plastic, it was just like this big plastic apparatus, and it had a place for you to set a book on it. Okay. And you could open, well, at the bottom of that, was a cassette player. Uh, okay. And you would put the tape in and like Fisher Price or whoever sure. made books and that tape would read you the book. Okay. And it was it's much like audible now. Sure, yeah, yeah. Where a lot of the books, uh, if it's fiction, they're acted out yeah. and there's sounds in the background and all that. And my dad got me for Christmas two Batman they were comic books yeah, that were spiral audible. bound. Yeah. And I had a tape and I was just to me, Batman was the coolest didn't have any superpowers, and yeah. so I was hooked. Oddly enough, I don't know why this is a thing, but then I started buying Batman comic books. The first comic book that I ever pulled at a comic book store, however, was Iron Man. No reason why. But Well, because I'm 10 years old, and I walk yeah. in, and I'm like, what? That looks cool. His suit is metal, and he's flying around. Yeah. I'm all in. So that was the first book I ever pulled. It was Iron Man. I gotcha. Yeah, I didn't even know comic books uh, like stores existed because uh, you know I was in elementary school, and my sister was in like middle school or high school at the time. And the gas station near the high school is where my, for whatever reason, my mom always ended up needing to get gas at that point. Just maybe the, her, her schedule, that's how it worked. And when you went in, there was the rack. And that's where I would buy my comics. And then uh, I had, someone had told me like, have you been to, and, you know, I grew up in Atlanta. Have you been to Titan Games and Comics? I'm like, I don't, what is that? And there, it was like an honest to goodness store. And when you, when you go in, and but in this, it was like an old house off of a highway in, a, in like a pretty popular area. And the first floor had some comics and cool looking stuff. But then there were stairs that went to the basement. And in the basement, there were like all these long boxes in that in that old comic book smell. Oh, yeah, the paper and the pages it and all that. doesn't exist anymore. They have the tabletop games too, like the Warhammer in there and stuff and I all that. I remember. Uh, and so that's when I went in and actually purchased comics and then also realized that if you're not buying it, and it like let's say if it came out today, there's a cover price on there, and that's what you're paying today. If it didn't come out today and it came out last year or ten years ago, that's not the price that you're going to be paying for that. Yeah, that's and odd. that was a sad realization. Like this book is how much? Oh, poop. Yeah, I thought you get ten cent. No, no, that's seventy five hundred dollars. Yeah. That's what it cost. Uh, you know, 
the first time I went to a comic shop wasn't actually a comic shop at all, BJ. I don't know if you've ever been to this convention or not, but around the time that I started pulling Iron Man from this comic shop in Winston-Salem, mm-hmm. which is where I grew up, the only reason I knew that that comic shop was there is because we went to the Heroes Convention in that year in Charlotte. Yeah. And as a little boy, dude, I just had never seen anything like it. Now, every con, every town has a con now. Yeah, you know, populate, you know, Fill in the blank town population, 7,500 people as a con, it seems like, right? Yeah. But at the time, and that that Heroes Convention is still massive. Still, it's it's one of the biggest in the nation. Right. And uh, they're, I keep checking in because uh, I'm waiting for them to release their artist list and guest list. It's supposed to be coming sometime soon because I think it's in June, if I'm not mistaken. We'll have all that here, too, on the podcast. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. When we start, once they release all that stuff, we'll 100% talk to us. So you got to go to that and, oh, yeah. and see how giant it is. And so there's uh, you know, there's boxes everywhere. And this it's not flashy con like what you've got now with yeah. the cosplay and all that. I mean, there may have been a Spider-Man that was paid to be there. <laughs> or maybe he was <laughs> Right. But, you know, there's boxes everywhere, and they're on those old, I call them like church fellowship hall wooden folding tables and they're everywhere and it's just as a kid it was crazy because i didn't know anything about any of that stuff you know funny story here to valiant comics yeah yeah familiar with valiant absolutely they were releasing bloodshot okay okay so they're releasing this comic and they did this huge presentation at the con and it's a holographic style cover, oh, yeah, and yeah. the artist is there, and the illustrator's there, and the the ink guys. I mean, the, the whole team. Right. And they're doing this presentation, and I'm like, Dad, I've got to have that. So yeah. we wait in line for what's like an hour and a half so that I can get Bloodshot number one. Hey, not a bad book to have, because <laughs> you know they're making a movie about it. I heard that, but Valiant has gone under, what, three, four times maybe and been resurrected yeah. just as many. Well, you know he's bringing it back? Vin Diesel's going to bring that back because he is Bloodshot. No, he's not. He is Bloodshot. He just released uh, last week a, a photo on the set. Of Bloodshot. They're literally making it right now. I have Bloodshot number one, which I'm pretty signed by the whole, by everybody that was there. You know what? I've never done anything with that book. Never looked up anybody that was on that team. But I wonder if anybody went on to bigger and better things. I'm going to do that when I get home today. Yeah, I don't know. Because at the time, because, you know, I started back before Image and and before all that stuff, before Valiant, or at least before Valiant became known to me. Because for me, Valiant was Exo Manowar. Yep. And then uh, Harbinger is what I thought it was forever. I don't even know when I knew it was Harbinger, but I, I have like an issue of Harbinger. And I think there might be more to that title. And that's the stuff that I had bought. And I have like a Bloodshot or, or two of something because uh, they're actually bringing back Exo Man of War as well. I think Bloodshot is already back. I'm pretty positive as a book. Yeah. Like it's it's back and it's doing stuff. But when, you know, I wait in line and I'm at this con. Uh, but uh, one of the, oh, somebody had a setup, you know, somebody yeah. had a booth and I bought a couple of books out of what at the time would have probably been a quarter bin, yeah, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. and, uh, turns out the guy had a shop in Winston-Salem, you know, cause that's convergence of the sure. stores. And that's how I found out about that comic shop in Winston-Salem that of course is no longer there. Uh, you bring up an interesting point too. I, th- I think it's funny that, are you a proud comic book person like when you walk in like you couldn't say joe mad's full name and he's affectionately right i think i I I got it you may have gotten it isn't it weird how we won't ask how to 
pronounce names? Like, do you actually know if Greg Capullo's name is Greg Capullo or Capulo, maybe? As far as I know, I've always heard it Greg Capullo. But I mentioned Mark Silvestri earlier. Right. Up until maybe five years ago. Because I'm I'm guilty of, like, seeing a cover and glancing at the name and glancing whatever, but not really reading the name. Right. He was Mark Silvestri for the, the longest time. There's an R in there that I'm adding that doesn't exist. Silvestri, but I called him Mark Silverstri even through the image times because he he started up uh he wasn't wetworks, he was Cyberforce. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And so like I'm getting Mark Silverstri's Cyberforce when it's Silvestri. Uh Rob uh, Rob LaFeld is is what I've called Rob LaFeld forever until Deadpool came out, a writ, like the the movie came out and then he's making the rounds again. I'm like, "Rob Liefeld? I guess it is L I E. That's not Oh, and so that's me. Uh, but luckily, Joe Mad, I can say Jim Lee, uh, Wallace Portico, when it's like Wills Portacio or something, who is uh, working with Rob LaFeld on something, uh, Liefeld, that we're going to get to a little bit later on. Another guy, because he did uh, Wet Works for Image, mm. but he did Uncanny X-Men uh, with the introduction of Bishop and all those guys. So he was popular for a while. And I just called that dude Wallace when it's Wills. Like, I never look at those names. We're glad there's so much diversity now in the comic book world, but it was much simpler when it was Frank Miller and Alan Moore. Yeah, <laughs> uh, except for uh, uh, Zek or Zeke. Uh, I can't think of it. Uh, Mike Mike Zek. Oh, yeah, Mike Zek. But he was Mark, Mike Zeke to me because <laughs> he did some Punisher stuff and things, and I just never bothered to learn. And uh, there is a, a, a and, I, and I'm going to apologize for not knowing exactly where they're coming out of, but like Jorge Jimenez who's out right now, who's doing uh, Justice League. I think he's doing Justice League right yep. now. Um, but I follow him on Instagram, and that's, but his is Spanish. I don't know if he's out of Brazil or out of those. You know, Humberto Ramos, uh, you know, same. So there's a lot of um, either Brazilian or Mexican or Spanish artists really coming into the fold. And before we go any further, too, I'll, we need to go ahead and get this out of the way. Uh, we are almost exclusively DC and Marvel for what we are up on and, and do. And so, like, when it comes to... I wouldn't even say almost, BJ. I would say that we are. You can't... I, I can't tell you what's going on in the image world. Like, yeah. not a clue. But we will, because uh, in, in a handful of months, Spawn 300 comes yeah, out? Yeah, Spawn, and that's going to be huge. It's everywhere already. Like, yeah. in the previews, you can't flip a page without seeing it. Yeah, so we'll talk about that stuff. If, and, and I will pick up an occasional Walking Dead if, if something's known. Like, I have, like, two issues... And one of them is where a zombie talks for the first time. And it was, the, you know, later on we find out it's the Whisperers. And I was, I don't even know if it's worth anything. I went to look the other day, like some character named Alpha or something was introduced. But we don't actually read those, so we, we don't really know. It really is Marvel, DC. But even out of those, like I've got all of the latest run of Batman. One to whatever, like we're up to like 60 or something at yeah. this point. I haven't read the first issue of it, but I've got them. I'm just behind on the reading of that. Same thing for Flash. I'm up to date. I, I read the first five, and I still got to read all of those. I read the first handful of Justice League, and I'm behind on those. But I'm but I, I spend my time. I'm up on Thor, caught up. I do read action comics. I read Superman. I love those storylines because Superman probably is the greatest hero ever, and the storylines they've been doing lately for that make it make him compelling. Well, and, he needed a he needed a redo. Uh, they dropped the ball in New Fifty Two. Yeah. So to get Superman on a some sort of reboot's kind of cool. I jump around. I think you jump around some too. A little bit. Like uh, 
I have long box after long box of Green Lantern yeah. comic books. I'm not pulling Green Lantern right now because I thought it started to crumble a little bit after Jeff Johns. Yeah. You know, Jeff Johns was the kind of the Green Lantern that I came into Green Lantern. Because you have a crap ton of Green Lantern stuff. Oh, yeah, all kinds of stuff. I've got, dude, I've got Ryan Reynolds bobbleheads. Yeah. I've got a... Uh, Even Ryan Reynolds doesn't have that. Anymore. Exactly. Yeah. The the um, I've got the Sinestro okay. bobblehead from the movie, too. So like the Mark Strong version of Sinestro? 100%, which was pretty decent, yeah. uh, by the way. But I, I used to get the DC catalogs yeah. during the, like the memorabilia catalogs. Okay. So I have, uh, I don't think I've ever even told you any of this stuff. Right. I've got the lantern. You touch the ring, too, that lights cool. up. Yeah, I've got that, and I have, uh, I got that Batman utility belt. Bought that about the same time. Is it is, is it is it like a real belt or is it very plasticky? Oh no, it's a real belt. Is it got metal in it? Oh yeah. Oh, how much did that cost? Uh, it's a regretful number. BJ. Did you pay for it? A hundred percent, I paid for. How much it. was it? I want to say that utility belt was four seventy five, maybe. Holy crap! Yeah, it might might that, not have been that much. But still, if you would have told me two hundred, I would have been like, that's pretty amazing. It's awesome. It's leather, and it's got the. It's Did so it come dumb. with stuff in it? Like, does it have like a? No, that's the worst part. It's empty. Yeah, it yeah. at least has. Does it have a like a batarang or or something that? That's separate. No way. Yeah, but I didn't buy the batarang. But I did buy the. Um, I bought Nightwing sticks. Okay. And they go on a base and they light up. Okay, I was about to ask. Otherwise, you could have went to the Home Depot, bought some dowel rods. <laughs> and painted those things up and had Nightwing sticks. Blue and black. So you've got the lantern, you've got the sticks, you've got the utility. The belt. lantern was over 200 I think that lantern was 250 Those easy. are pretty cool because they've got some le- less expensive versions that are just, you know, for decoration. You can't put a ring up to it. Yeah, this one you put the ring up to it. And How it gets up. the ring? Does it look pretty cool? Uh, Yeah, it, it, it looks really cool. Are you like a grand in almost on these three things? Because yeah. that, that lantern's probably two hundred and some change. I think that lantern was two fifty, maybe. So we're sitting at about seven hundred. And, and those, those sticks, two hundred. All right, so you're close. The sticks are like a little, little longer than Billy Clubs. They're the coolest piece, okay? Probably because they go on this base. It's like an acrylic base, yeah. and they're these holders, and they cross. Yeah. So they sit down on that, but when they're in that base, they light up. If you hit somebody with them, will they break? Probably. Yeah, that's the downfall. It's like, like those lightsabers yeah. with the glass, but sure. they look cool when they make the noise. The moment you hit something. You go to chop somebody's wrist off for real and the, the glass just shatters. Yeah. And yeah. then he does chop it off for real on the way back. Now, with that stuff, you mentioned earlier, though you like John Mayer, you are married and you have a child. Does your wife let you, like, is it is it out somewhere? Is Or do you have a special designated room that it's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have a room... And that's where my stuff lives. Okay. All right. So I have a desk there and like a little studio set up. So record music and stuff. And then there's a back wall and that's just amplifiers. Mm -hmm. And then, but I have to, my child's three now. You got to put everything out of reach. Oh, all that memorabilia stuff's on shelving. Yeah. It has to be. You're not a memorabilia. You're not a stuff dude. I'm not. And I think it's just because it's, it's one less thing to collect. Just like I don't collect vinyl because it's one more thing I don't want to collect because I like seeing it. Like, I really do. Like, I, I think the statues are cool. I think a lot of that stuff looks really cool, and I appreciate people who have it, but I think about how much space that takes up. And I, I also have a comic book room at the house, and I've got all my long boxes. And then, I you know, the last couple of years, I've been getting into the CGC stuff. Right. So, and, and you, you've sent off a few things as well. 
And so like that's become the stuff that I display is is the stuff that I've gotten back from that. So that's, you know, it becomes kind of art in the room uh, if you get a good grade. Now, I've only gotten two crappy grades in doing it. One of my first comics I bought from the comic book store when the price was elevated was Wolverine number one from the, the full run series. You know, not not the limited edition, the four, the, 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 the little uh, limited series before that. And I bought that for however much it was. I got that thing graded, and uh, me and Drew, who owns the comic book store that we go to, we looked at it like, all right, that's, that's going to be like an eight-something, I feel like. We were pretty pretty positive that was going to be an eight. I'm like, man, it's one of the comic books I've had for the longest time, and it's a gosh darn six-five. Yeah. I've never been more heartbroken after the fact of, of having a book than that was. I'm like, the CGC did something wrong with this book. Almost like, you know what, crack that thing open, send that thing back. It's not a six-five. And that's my lowest graded comic. But it, you've been told, in all fairness, multiple times to crack the thing open, have it pressed, and to send it again. I've told you that. Yeah, but here, then it's the diminishing rate of return then. I've got the, the money I initially paid for it, whatever that was, but that, we'll, we'll count that off because it was like 1980-something when I bought that. And then I've already spent the $25 to get it graded once. And then I got my 6.5. If I want to press it, there's another 15 bucks. So now I'm sitting at $40, and then i got to send it back in for another grade for another $25 or so. So I'm sitting at like 75 probably only with shipping and all that stuff, 75 bucks for this book that if it doesn't come back higher than like an 8.5, I've spent more money on that book than it's worth. And so I, that's why I won't crack it back open and what do it. What is the book worth? Ball, right. Ballpark. Well... I think the problem we have today, because of the CGC, if you don't have something that's a nine or above, yeah, forget it. You're just not getting any real value for it. Mm-hmm. Like so, then oh, it's an eight five. Eh, I'm to give you this much. For well, it. and the market's muddied because of that. But exactly because you and I have looked at some of these classic, like Silver Age stuff, yeah. and looked at these numbers, and it's always ah, oh, there'll be a let's say a. A Flash first appearance sure. book or something. Yeah. So it's a Barry first appearance, and it's a 3.6. Well, there might be seven or eight of them online, and one of them might be six grand, and another yeah. one might be 15. Yeah. There's no real market. It's just what somebody will pay. Yeah, and, and the other part of it is, and we talk about this at the comic book store too, is if you get any comic, I could go buy, let's say, the Guardians of the Galaxy number one that just came out. I could go get it graded right now, and if it's a 9.8 or a 9.9 or a unicorn of a 10, that's a $100 book. Raw, it's $5. It's $4 or whatever, the, you know, probably $4 for the cover price. But if I got it graded and it's a 9.899, it's a $100 book. You can get anything graded, and if it's a 9.9, it's a $100 book. It's, it's just the market for it. You, that, can, you can do it all day. Another great example of that recent comics, Venom 3. Yeah. Venom 3 graded is it, some astronomical, you know, that's, I think that's cooled off now. but it, A little bit because, it, you know, it, it's uh, the appearance, it's Null, the, the, right. the god of death or whatever it happens to be, the god killer with his necro sword. And it was a hot comic. The problem is they've kind of not phased that out of the Venom comic right now. In the latest issue, there's a little bit of a return, just a, a glance of it. So I, I think they know that they needed to make sure they brought that dude back 
pretty quick, and that's going to make that go up again. Like Red Goblin for Amazing Spider-Man. That was super hot for a second. If you got that graded and you went ahead and sold it, you sold high, and then, you know, that didn't quite work out for the Red Goblin in the comics, spoiler alert. And, you know, so then the, the price cools off a little bit. But once the, if there's a resurgence, then the price is going to go up again. But no matter what, if you've got a 9.8 or a 9.9, you have a $100 buck. Wasn't there some confusion uh, with Amazing Spider-Man? Of first appearance of Red Goblin? Was it they couldn't determine if it was 7.94 or 7.97, I believe it was. And I think 97 is the book that they're going with. I don't even know. Everyone just says, just get them both graded. All through those. Because I've got... I've got the 800s because I'm a J. Scott Campbell fan. Right. And so J. Scott does an awesome job of, of through his website and fourcolorbeasts.com with a four, uh, the number four, uh, does a lot of, uh, you know, variant covers that are signed. So for, you know, for 20 bucks, you get that issue, and there's 1,200 of them or 1,800 of them, and it's signed. And they come in great condition. Uh, almost every book I get from J. Scott, and I have four of them from the Amazing Spider-Man 800. Mm-hmm. Uh, Red Goblin cover, Venom cover, Octopus cover, and then Black Cat cover. All of them were 9.8s, except for my Black Cat was a 9.6. And so I've got a Red Goblin in that, but it's the two that you mentioned that are are more pricey, but you just got to do them both because it depends on, I guess, who really determines. You got those graded? Yeah. I didn't know that Mm -hmm. because I'm, yeah, I'm sending both off too. Yeah. Well, I don't have I don't have the I did all the J Scotts are graded, but I have not sent off the other two for the the the, the first appearance, the fifty four and fifty seven or uh, ninety four and ninety seven. Yeah. Uh, well, one not, I've seen a ninety seven. I've seen a couple of those graded for astronomical amounts of money. Yeah. Astronomical amounts of money. At one time, I think uh, not anymore. But though, you know, I've seen them for a couple hundred bucks. Yeah, they were super hot. Yeah, it's cooled off a little bit. And that's what that's why it gets tough sometimes on knowing if you have the right book or not. Because some of the variants, the one in twenty fives, the one in two hundreds, those things will sell for like a thousand dollars. And it's not even that amazing of a book, whatever it happens to be, but because it's graded and because it's a one in two hundred or, or some of those, the, the prices shoot up. And 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 that's not the comic book collector that I am. Do I want that comic if I can get it, if it happens to be in the store? Absolutely, I'll buy that. The 1 in 25s are so much easier. But if you live in a smaller town like we do, and the comic book store is not ordering midtown comic size orders, right. you're getting the, the, the variants anybody can get their hands on. The occasional 1 in 10s, the 1 in 25s, you're never getting your hands on a 1 in 200 because the 1 in 200s are... Ludicrous. Didn't you get a one in 200 for Christmas? I did. Mm. So my wife did an amazing thing for <laughs> So he just, Spinny, just harped on and on about how you can't get your hands on those books, and he literally got one a month ago. I did. It, it, but uh, but I didn't buy it. My wife, uh, you know, it's it's nice when you know, someone takes a chance and, and, and picks a cool present. She went into my the local comic book store and, and, and talked, and, you know, Drew, who owns the place, knows the stuff that I like, knows I love Jim Lee, and so he had a graded... And I'm going to, it's a 9-8 or it's a 9-6? It's a 9-8. And it is uh, Justice League number one for New 52. And it's the 1 in 200 variant sketch cover. And that was one of my Christmas presents this year. And I, and one, I loved it because it's Jim Lee. Number two, I love it because I don't even have a regular number one of that. Because I was out, I, I, I stopped collecting for a little while. And in there, uh, Jim did all those Justice League. So I had to trade paperback uh, volume one and two of those. And that's all I have. 
And so I didn't have it. Great run, too, by the way. A phenomenal run. One of the best modern Justice League storyline runs of all time. Yeah, because I had only got, so I collected comics from like the 80s into the 90s, and I always had to pay for them. My parents, at first, they'd buy me a couple here and there, but once I started to really like them, I had to pay for them. And then I had a job, even as from the fourth grade, I've had a job. My dad owned a, a garage in Atlanta. I worked on motorhomes, and that's where I worked. After school, every day, that's where I went. During the summer, from open to close, that's where I was. So I earned money, and so I would buy that stuff. And when Image Comics came out, the way comics were done, like mechanically, physically, something increased, the way they colored the books, now computers, whatever it was, those comics doubled in price or tripled even for cover price. And I'm able to buy a handful of these. Like I'm like, I can't afford this anymore. I remember I'm, that. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a kid that's barely in high school. I was like, I, I, I can't. So I had to stop for a while. And then I'd kind of occasionally just pick up something every now and again, but just kind of keep my, my thumb on it a little bit. And then later in life, I realized, oh, I have money. I can collect comic books again with my wife's permission. Sure. And so I started collecting it. <laughs> that's again. all of us. It really is. And so then I started buying again. But uh, yeah, again, just and that's and I was never a DC guy. It wasn't until several years ago that I really started to buy uh, Superman and Batman and Flash. They were really great runs for a while. And then I'm and I'm doing uh, Batman and Wonder Woman. And I'm doing I'm picking up old issues of of when Michael Turner did uh, Batman Superman, and, and some of those and, and seeing some of those cool things. And I miss Jim Lee doing Batman. Well, and that was the the point here is that you missed out on that new 52 run yeah. stuff there. And so your wife goes into the comic shop uh, back in December. She wants to get you something for Christmas. And she took a stab and got a comic at a ridiculous price that I would have bought uh, months prior had sure. I known that he would have sold it at that price. Yeah. But uh, that was a great, great, great variant that you got, too. Yeah, so I was excited to see that. So I, uh, so good pickup uh, you know, for my wife on that. Uh, earlier we mentioned Rob Liefeld and the fact that uh, we would we would get to what he's about to do. It's been years since he's done anything besides just like variant covers right. here and there. One-offs. Yeah, but he's returning to Marvel. And he is doing a comic he wanted to do or a character he wanted to do in the 90s when he's introducing Cable and he's introducing Deadpool and he's doing all this stuff when he's doing New Mutants and X-Force. And... For whatever reason, he felt it wasn't the time. You know, Jim's doing a great job with X-Men, Rob's doing X-Force, and they're starting to make, they're about to make that image jump. And so he had this character sketched out and had this plan for this character all the way back in the 90s, and now he's actually going to do it for Marvel. Comes out in April, and it is uh, going to be called Major X. And it looks almost like a, almost like a Bobo Fett, meets like Judge Dredd, but of course with an X on the helmet, which I guess is kind of similar to Judge Dredd a little bit. That sounds just like Judge Dredd. Yeah, and uh, so of course he's it's Rob Liefeld, Liefeld so he has a rifle because every, every character's got to have some sort of a weird big gun. Right. No matter what, you could be like Feral, the cat person thing from X-Force, and I'm sure Feral's packing a gun. Uh, this, so this character, Major X, it lives in the future. And they live in this uh, place uh, where it's like this oasis uh, for mutants get along and all this stuff. Something, uh, some sort of portal opens and threatens the existence of this place, which may actually be called existence. Um, and this utopia now is 
uh, it is called existence, is threatened. So now he's got to go back in time, Major X, which, is that as creative as we can be on a name for a character? Major X. Are we sure that the name is Major X yes. and that Major X isn't the title of who? No, my man is Major X. Yeah. This sounds like a parody of a comic book. Well, it was from the 90s, <laughs> and it's coming out today. So now he's going back in time. And as far as I understand it, because I follow Rob on Instagram as well, Major X isn't coming to today's comic book time. Major X is going back to the 90s when Rob Liefeld was drawing X-Force and all of that, and Jim was doing X-Men, because... Wolverine's in it, Storm is in it, Cable's in it, Deadpool's in it, Beast is in it, and then other characters. And it's the mystery around who is Major X, which won't be revealed yet. Are they doing 90s art? Well, it's Rob Liefeld, so it looks like 90, he's doing all of it. Oh, that is heyday. So I, th- well, so I, think, I, think how, I think this is how it's going to work. I think he's doing the first book yeah. and the last book. There's like a five or six issue run. In between, Will Portacio, if I'm saying his last name correctly, he's doing at least one or two, and another dude's doing the other ones. And so you're only getting a handful of books, but definitely Rob's bookending it. And he showed on Instagram a panel from, like, an X-Force or something of Cable and Deadpool, and then for the new comic, he is recreating the same panel with, I guess, essentially different verbiage, and his style's changed just a smidgen. It still looks like Rob. Uh, and so this guy's going back to this time, so he's going to be tying back into some of those comics because now a new dude is there. The panels today would be different because a new character's been introduced and the timeline changes a little bit. What a great concept. Never seen that done before. Not like that. No, not where they're doing, you know, exact panels. And, you know, so they're introducing a new character. Rob Liefeld's coming back. So you know Major X is going to have a big pop on it. So if you get one good copy of it you get a 9.8 or a 9.9 you got a hundred dollar buck so you're all on board for that i I would be anyway because i know rob liefeld gets panned for having giant thighs and small ankles and the anatomy of a person being drastically disproportionate and i get that i mean i collected the stuff that he did i bought young blood when it came out and i get that it's dude they modeled i don't know man it he gets panned a lot for a bunch of that stuff, but at the same time, if you go back and look at comics from the the run that you're talking about, yeah, what would have been what 90? 90, 90, 91? 90, 91, 92 somewhere in there. Yeah. Everything that Marvel was doing ended up copying that exact style for some time. Yeah, for a a really long, maybe a decade. Yeah, I mean, because it was it was Jim, it was uh, Jim Lee, it was Todd McFarlane, it was Rob Liefeld, and those guys, Mark Silvestri, who really kind of set this bar that I don't think anyone's ever matched. That core of Marvel artists from that time, I don't think any company, Marvel or DC, image you can't say because all those dudes literally jumped ship and did their own thing, right? But DC or Marvel, the big guys, have never had a core like that again. Even today, they don't have that. Everything's so spread out, or dudes who are really good just do covers now. Well, think about it like this: it's you know in nineteen you know in nineteen eighty five, how many modern metal bands were on the planet? Right, a yeah. bunch of them, sure. a whole bunch of them. There's only one Metallica. Yeah, right. So it's just sort of that 
it's like a magic thing where that happens. And also, too, I, I was always under the impression that they borrowed from each other. And they borrowed from each other in a way that was... They appreciated each other, yeah. right? And so they were borrowing. Is that McFarlane has that too? Yeah. With the thighs and the we talked about this. Uh, what did we talk about this two three days ago about the weird Spider-Man shapes? Yeah, we were we were, we were just uh, you know spitballing about the top Spider-Man artists, right? You know, and McFarlane has to be number one because he was the guy that took Spider-Man and made him the agility Spider-Man with his legs coming up real right. high and all that stuff. And then you had mentioned about the spider web, the, the webs. Oh, yeah, with the coils around the... Everyone the, does that now. You you will never see a Spider-Man comic book that doesn't have the web drawn that way. Yeah, spinning around the, the web itself. Well, think about this. Before, Spider-Man did the odd shapes when he's flying through the city, and even when he's perched on a building, right? Mm-hmm. So he's yeah. all down, and the, the knees come up to where his head is and everything. You remember the late 60s Spider-Man cartoon? Yeah. I mean, you saw reruns of it sure. and everything. Spider-Man swung like you or I would swing from a rope into a lake or something. Yeah. That's yeah. the only way that he ever got around the That's city. Right. You don't see Spider-Man swing like that anymore. Oh, even, no. even in the... Uh, Tom Holland, his Spider-Man. Tom Holland, that trailer just came out a week or two ago yeah. from when this is being taped now. Yeah. He doesn't swing like I mean it that's McFarlane. He did that. Yeah. You know, there is a part of me that when when I see Wolverine now, and especially mm-hmm. animated yeah. in any way, I'm always disappointed because I never see Wolverine with the huge the, the what do we are they ears? What do we call uh, that? I don't know what they're I don't know what they are. I don't even know what purpose they ever serve like, besides giving him blind spots. Right. So the the, the huge mask and yeah. the enormous thighs and the skinny waist. And I remember sitting around in middle school, dude. And I would I can't draw yeah. like that, but I did. And I drew. And when I drew the characters, the thighs were enormous. Yeah. Everybody was Bo Jackson. Yeah, they really were. Right. Uh, and then you know, Tom McFarlane had a great uh, Wolverine as well. And I always look forward to whenever your favorite artist did the people that they normally didn't do. So when when Rob Liefeld did Captain America, that was just cool because right. he's doing a new character. Or when Jim Lee uh, redid the Fantastic Four, one, I'll buy anything that he does, but it was just awesome to see him do that. I don't think Todd ever, did Todd ever do that? Has Todd only done, you know, the, the occasional things before he got popular? He became the guy who really reignited Spider-Man, did that Spider-Man run, from, from Amazing Spider-Man to just the Spider-Man comic book run, and then he started Spawn. That was it, right? He isn't. I don't think he's done anything else. No, but he, he had some work prior to Spider-Man. He, that did was, like a, he did Batman. He did Batman, and that was... But it's also my understanding that like if you go back and get those Batman comic books that he worked on, mm-hmm. he wasn't... I don't think he had the creative control or freedom that he got when when Marvel let him loose with Spider Man. Oh, not at all. Yeah. And what one thing I love about Todd because a lot of people will, you know, say he's cocky, he's arrogant. But I watched a, like a I don't know if it was a special on him or whatever it was. But every single day, he would send art out to Marvel and DC every single day. To say, hey, I want to, I want to draw for you guys. Here's something else. 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 Every day, and eventually, Marvel was like, okay, let's give this kid a shot. Let's do that. It's perseverance story. Or not? Or if it was Marvel, it was one of the companies. Yeah. And, and like that's kind of what it was. I think it was DC. 
I think because it was either the Batman stuff. And his whole thing was, no one's going to outwork me. I'm always going to find a way. His toy company that he started, he looked at toys and saw that they didn't look great <laughs> and said, why don't they look like the way they're supposed to look? Like, here's the drawing of the character, and here's the toy for the character. Why are they so different? Why can they not do that? And, he, and I was like, well, I'll do it. And he got a guy who could make these things, and he had a couple of, like, prototypes of really amazing-looking dolls. And he goes to this, like, toy trade show, Then he's in not one of the great rooms. He's in one of the other rooms where the other people who won't have a really good shot at this. And in comes a guy with an executive. And the guy comes and goes and says to the guy, here's the guy I was telling you about. Todd, this is such and such. And I think it was like the guy from Walmart or something like one of the big stores or Toys R Us. I don't know. That kid was a fan of Todd McFarlane's art and just Todd McFarlane as a whole. And said, if Todd's doing something, we should be a part of it. And so the guy, they had a conversation. The guy goes, can you get me like 10,000 of these, whatever the number happens to be by such and such? And Todd goes, I can do that. Did Todd know if he could do that? No. He had no idea if he could do it or not. He just said, I'm going to make it happen. Not only can and he do it. that's how the toy company started. It's a home run. Yeah. My office, that Hendrix Woodstock figure, yeah. that's a McFarlane figure. Yeah. And it is just. They're spot on. You don't understand the leap when, when we were kids. Do you remember the Ninja Turtles? Oh, absolutely. And everybody had all of them, right? Yeah. If you could pair that to, because that was what we we went from that, yeah, to McFarlane, who was just hyper realistic, mm-hmm. and it was just leaps and bounds. To bring it full circle back to the comic books now, and to somehow tie Bendis into this thing, which is also really strange. Uh, did you see Into the Spider Verse? I did. I saw this past weekend. Oh well. Bendis worked on that. Yeah. Okay. The story was incredible. At least I think it is. Yeah, no, it's great. I think it's phenomenal. That is the most modern take that we have on an animated Spider-Man. Oh, right? Yeah. Like it's I mean, just came out and that that and how many Spider-Man characters are there in the movie counting both Peter's six, five, six? Yeah, at least. And, know, the, and then the Easter egg at the end. And the Easter egg at the end. You get two more. And what does every character have except for one of those Easter eggs? Because it can't. Big eyes. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they're drawing Todd McFarlane's Spider-Man now. Yeah. It's everybody drawing that Spider-Man, but let me tweak it slightly yeah. so that I can call it mine. That's the first thing I noticed when I watched uh, Spider-Verse. That, wow. Because that's even Spider-Ham. He's yeah. an animated pig character. His eyes are enormous. Yeah. Well, for his, they went with a cartoon take on that. Right. Uh, and uh, John uh, Mulvaney, I think is his first name, is the guy who voiced that and did a, a, a fun job with that. Uh, I loved how innovative just the movie was as a whole. Like, we see, uh, like, even as a grown man who doesn't live in my parents' basement, I will watch about any cartoon you throw at me from DC or Marvel when they come out, just because I would rather watch that than I would, like, The Notebook. Well, it's no secret, BJ, that in the DC universe, in which I own the majority of their animated stuff, yeah. uh, just about all of it, including the stuff that does, all the Batman stuff that doesn't make sense. Yeah. But their animated movies and the teams that they have... Hands to, down. It, destroys anything they've done live action. And I'll tell you, there's a couple of Batman animated movies. Mask of Phantasm, which was from the 90s. Uh, 
they redid um, year one. They did year one as an animated movie, mm-hmm. followed the comic perfectly. I would put a lot of that stuff right up there with Christopher Nolan's Batman, uh, you know, that particular Batman series, just as far as quality. Now, there are a lot of people that can't get over the fact that you're watching something that's animated. Yeah. But I'm telling you, that Spider-Verse, Marvel hit a home run. I think they win Best Picture for the Oscar. They got nominated. Oh, I'll, I think it wins. It won the Golden Globe. I'll tell you this. There, That movie served two purposes, right? One is... Kept my kids quiet. That's... You know, as a person, a fantastic purpose. <laughs> three purposes. Three purposes. Keep the kids quiet. It also allows Marvel... I think they were trying to see what they could do. What can we make at the box office with an animated movie? Yeah. But, and they, well, because it's it's still Sony in association with Marvel. Exactly. Yeah. Well, at least you point that out, too, which I think that's everything Spider-Man. Everything Spider-Man. Right. So And Venom, yeah. But I think that uh, it, it allows... Marvel becomes the first comic, the first comic book company now to release a movie that deals with the multiverse, yeah. which is a comic book reader. I mean, we've been doing multiverse. It's commonplace. Yeah, I mean, it, you can't find a book now that, you know, a, a, a old man Logan's walking around right exactly. now. Exactly, a popular comic that's not dealing with some kind of multiverse stuff. Is anybody reading Justice League? I mean, you know, I have it. I haven't quite been reading it. M- and then the, the next purpose is you show people the multiverse, and now when you go in... And do it for realsies? Yeah. Now when you, you're you doing live action, you're doing the next Avengers movie, it doesn't seem so foreign. Yeah. It, well, because, you know, multiverse was introduced, and now they're talking about for Avengers Endgame, that time travel. I think we all know at this point time travel is a big part of that movie, and it all kind of falls into the same... Time travel and multiverse is kind of... It's a parallel existence sort of yeah. deal. and yeah. Because the the moment you go back in time and you crush the butterfly, now there's a new timeline. Something changed, so it is like a multiverse at that point because that timeline is going to be completely different than, than the one that it would have been if it wasn't for the time travel event. Am I correct about that? No. We've never seen a motion picture that did multiverse not for that Mm -mm. no because uh if you count the tv show flash they've got alternate universes because that's where supergirl resides why they did that i don't know supergirl lives in a different universe than the flash and green arrow green arrow and flash are in the same universe superman supergirl different universe yeah but isn't part of flash's entire existence like the modern interpretation of who the flash is dealing with because there's reverse flash. And, and there's too much time travel in that in general. Right. Like, they, they just kind of do whatever they want when it comes to that. Uh, and, you know, Circle Around for Movies gives us a great chance. For me, I feel like for the movie of the week, then it's more of a public service. Because you do Netflix, I have to imagine. Uh, oh, yeah. Have you seen the preview for IO? I know what IO is. Did you watch it? No. Okay. I did. Because for me, it was like a 97% match because I watched a lot of sci-fi and all these things. You know, Black Mirror and all that stuff. Up, Bandersnatch was great. Oh, phenomenal. And I did see, the, I saw the movie before I saw the, the subject of a, a, like just a headline on the internets. And it was, uh, uh, IO gives you the reason to cancel your Netflix subscription. Wow. And is it a bad movie? Yeah. No. Is the ending bad? 
Yes. Because it destroyed the entire movie. It, yes. And he, I'm just, we're just going to public service this thing. It, the premise of it is, for those that don't know, is in the future, global warming kind of came on faster than anticipated. Uh, like we're, we have poisonous gas in the air. A mass exodus happened from the planet. Hundreds of ships left because that we had created something because it is the future. There's like some sort of a station we were able to put out there that could be powered forever, whatever. And all these ships left the at, you know left the Earth because of the atmosphere, and they go to this space station thing that orbits the moon Io of Jupiter. So it's several, you know, however many light years away. And some people stayed behind because uh, this one scientist, uh, which we get to see clips of him in the movie, was like, you know, we can we can fix this, like we can adapt, we can change. And he stayed behind, and his so did his daughter. The movie's mainly about his daughter kind of existing in this post-apocalyptic land where when you're in the city, you can't breathe, but where her little house dwelling is, you can. There's a pocket of oxygen there, then she's able to grow food and all this stuff, and they're doing experiments to try to maybe find a way to make something adapt, and you can breathe this air again. And then here comes Falcon, Anthony Mackie, in a hot air balloon, coming to find the scientist. I heard the calls, like they, they do like a radio message or something. I want to see him. And he's... She's like, he's gone. He'll be back in a little bit. Turns out my man's dead. And uh, and he's not coming back, of course. And Anthony Mackie's disappointed. He's like, well, look, I'm not going to let you die here. They find out the last ships are leaving Earth. They're never, another, another one's never leaving. And they got to make it there. And so they kind of build this bond. They hit it. You know, there's relations that go on. And she does have a boyfriend who's on the space station. But they're about to do another mission to go, that's going to be 10 years to get to where they have to go. So essentially that relationship is over. So then she hits it with Mackie. And now they're going to leave the planet. And they've got, they've, got, they've got to find helium for this balloon. And all this, there's, there's not a lot of trials going on here. It's more of a social commentary type movie. And then as they're about to leave, they've got the helium. They're ready to go. She's like, I'm not going. He's like, you got to go. I'm not going. And so she said, you tell them when you get there that humans can change. And she rips off her mask and she suffocates and she dies. And that is the end of the movie. You wasted two hours of your life getting to know this character here and realizing, oh, you know what? There, there might be hope out there. And I appreciate why she stayed behind and why she was doing the things that she was doing. And I appreciate Anthony Mackie wanting to take her off of this planet so he can save this girl because he couldn't save his wife. But I can save you. And guess what? We're, all we got to do is go get on that balloon. And then within a couple hours, we're going to be where that rocket is. And we get to go be with everybody else. But then she pulls it off and she dies. And that's it. So you're saying that the story for the two hours or whatever that led up to the ripping off of the mask yeah. and the death scene was gripping enough to keep you from going straight to Wikipedia to see how the thing ended. Well, I was just curious what was going to happen, because I didn't anticipate that, because here, here's where the science fiction aspect of that keeps you watching. They've alluded to the fact that she's been experimenting on herself to maybe modify the way she is, that maybe she can breathe on that. There was a pig that her and her father were able to genetically modify. It was able to breathe the air. So now they've set you up for the fact that maybe humans can change. And they've shown the fact that she's been doing these experiments to herself, so maybe it does. So the sci-fi part of me is she's going to rip her mask off. And she's it's going to look like she's going to die. And then what happens? All of a sudden, what does she do? She breathes. She takes a breath. Now, Anthony Mackie's got to go, oh, 
Well, maybe I don't have to flee this planet. Maybe we can be the new hope that brings everybody back home. Maybe we can save all these people that are still on this planet that might not go get on one of those last bastions of hope that are about to escape the, uh, the Earth's atmosphere. But do they do that? No. That bitch dies. Fade to black. It shows Anthony. They never show her officially dead. It just shows Anthony Mackie in his hot air balloon looking out the window. <laughs> oh, then, the hot air balloon it, has a window? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's like a capsule because you can't breathe. That's the air. what I was wondering. When yeah. you said he showed up on a hot air balloon, yeah. I'm thinking it's a that, capsule, almost that, like a moon landing. Well, I was thinking that really crappy Wizard of Oz remake thing where no. dude rides around on a hot air balloon. I would have taken that, man. Put James Franco yeah. in that band, boy. I would have been all about it. I would have rather watched The Disaster Artist over, over the fact that I felt like I just wasted so much time. And even on my radio show, I had mentioned public service announcement don't watch IO, one of the worst endings ever. For all the wrong reasons. Because, like, The Mist from Stephen King yeah. has one of the worst endings ever. It's horrible. But but it's not bad for the movie. The movie's not bad because of it. You watch the ending and you go, oh, my God, I want to kill myself. Right. Like, you feel so terrible, but that's what makes that so great. This was, I just wasted two hours of my life. Did you say, however, and now I'm not watching the movie. You, this is why I've done you, it. You did the, no one needs to waste their time or cancel their subscription. The PSA was uh, phenomenal there. But you did say prior that you had seen Bandersnatch. Yeah. Did you do multiple endings or did you just go through once? No. I I track through. I There may be only one that I've missed. Because I haven't bought. You can go on the internet and see the paths to take. But I just haven't had enough time to, to kind of redo that. Because, you know, if you miss something up. They'll let you circle back around. Yeah. But I had a handful of the endings. Well, I've only seen one of the Bandersnatch endings. So you just went one route, you were, that was it. Because I feel there's a part of me, BJ, that feels like I'm not supposed to have the alternate endings. Oh, okay. Like it's a weird mental thing. Yeah. Like I chose this path. Yeah, that's my you chose path. your own adventure. That's right, not the other one. But part of me wants to go back and get multiple endings because what did you do with the part where you're sitting in the like the the conference room or whatever at the beginning of the film? Okay, and the uh, the video game publisher manager guy or whatever yeah. asked if you wanted to take the deal. I took the deal. And it made me start the whole thing over. Yeah, no, I got I, fifteen I started, minutes in. I started the deal too, and it and I chose the wrong. It was a complete failure, and I had to circle back around. <laughs> That's what I did, and I and I was like, "Well, entrepreneur, yeah, absolutely." Yeah. All of a sudden, I'm seeing a profit here, yeah, and I'm I'm in, yeah. You know, I'm making money. Th- these guys have have resources, yeah. And I, it is the smart play. That's why I chose it, and so did you. And then I, I knew I went on the right path when they go to the, the doctor's office. And either you follow the dude from um, the Maze Runner yeah. or you go inside. I'm like, I'm following that dude. And then that path went on for a good little while. So I'm like, oh, I'm on the right course here. And there's a couple of little variations here and there. What did you do with the part where uh, you go and you trip on acid at the dude's place? Oh, I don't. I mean, I remember that scene, of course. But it, the ending of that scene is when you're standing out there on his. Oh yeah, no, I made him jump. Yeah, I made him jump. Too. Yeah, no. Yo, no, you made the friend jump. Yeah, the friend jump. Oh, not me. I dove right over the oh, side. No. I never did that one. No, he went. He's dead. <laughs> yeah, I went right over the side the first time. I'm like, yeah, I'm flying. I'm yeah. high on acid. No, I was pretty sure it wasn't going to work. 
I was using uh, too much logic when it came to that. So no, I made that dude jump. And I guess that he caught flack on the on the uh, Instagram and Twitter and all that for I guess people not liking his performance. The blonde haired kid from um, from the Maze Runner. I he's been in other things as well. That's where I know. No, him I from. thought that, I thought he was cool. I, I thought he was fine. Like he's he was sort of portraying that. Obviously, I didn't see it firsthand, but whatever that the London post punk. Yeah. You know, that sort of movement in that's the early of, 80s. Yeah. I thought he drilled it. I, I was fine with it. And that's why Twitter's, and, and some of that's such a, a bad place, because you know, you'll get drilled for anything, as we will probably get drilled for uh, our, uh, our Power Five for this week. The Power Five. Yeah, so Power Five for this week is we're going to we'll pick five things, and it might vary from week to week uh, as to what the top five slash Power Five is going to be. And and for this week, it's it's what we're reading now that we consider to be like the the best five comics. Now it's only going to be from DC and Marvel because that's that's what we collect. So there might be like, oh, you left this out. Yes, we did because we read Marvel and DC. Uh, I have mine. So I have six. I have even though, even though it's the Power Five. I have five. Well, let's see what yours are. You want me to start in reverse order? So you actually, yours are in real order. Your your number five favorite to your, your most favorite thing that you're reading. With scratches and arrows. Okay. Yeah. Right, yeah. You didn't put yours in order. I don't know if I can. Okay. I guess I probably could. I'll try. Let's hear yours. Well, some of this is sentiment, so okay. let's be aware of that. Sure. Too. This is your, this is Adam's power five. Don't know if anybody's reading Tony Stark's Iron Man. I have it, but I've only read one issue. Uh, man, it is... It is the comic book that the movie is probably responsible for. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because uh, Robert Downey, I feel like anybody can be in the suit. I feel like when Robert Downey Jr. is in the suit in the movie. It could be anybody. Uh, and that's the honest truth. Yeah. I mean, that's Iron Man. But what he does as Tony Stark yeah. has sort of reinvented who St- Tony Stark is, not yeah. only in the in the films and the way that we think of Tony Stark, but now in the comics too, and that's a great book because it's focusing on not Iron Man, but Tony, but Tony Stark. Yeah. But don't think of it as a book that's focusing on Tony Stark and business exploits and or the alcoholism of the nineties like right. or whatever. Yeah, there's not. It's not the day to day Tony Stark. It's just it's 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 just a Batman type deal too okay. because there's a battle between who is Bruce Wayne and who is Batman sure. and then then there's kind of that thing going on and plus. It's written well, and it's illustrated well, yeah, too. and I have them. I've, I've only read, like, the one, so I, I will start reading that. Uh, Thor, I mentioned this earlier. Mm-hmm. Thor, I know that you disagree with the direction of the art styling, but the reason that I even pull this book and read it is because of you, yeah. because I picked up Thor starting when they reset the book, Yeah. but you had told me for months about all the things that Thor had been doing. Yeah, and they've been doing great with uh, Thor and Unworthy Thor, the, right. like Lady Thor, which is the easiest way to refer to, to Jane Foster. Like, that run was really cool. I really liked Unworthy Thor. I wish it would have changed a little bit, but it just means we're going to get another Thor with, they're going to do something with Mjolnir. It got shattered, even in the comic. Uh, it, got, it got thrown into the sun or whatever. That's but, why I'm reading this book, yeah. because at some point... It's really going to heat up. And the War of the Realms is, it's, I've never, side note here, read a comic book that is taking taken so long to get to something that was alluded to in a book. When Jane Foster was Thor, they're talking about the War of the Realms, and that went on for like a year. 
and that was like two years ago. And we haven't even got to the War of the Realms yet. It's it's just now starting to crank up here and officially get going in the next couple of weeks. A uh, side note here, also, if you played God of War, the video game, or if you're a scholar and are like super into Norse mythology, which is oftentimes overlooked. Done neither of those, <laughs> but yeah, proceed. Well, the, with North, Norse mythology, uh, you know, even in school, even in, in, if you're publicly educated or homeschooled or whatever, at some point you're going to run across Greek mythology, you're yeah. going to run across sure. uh, the Roman stuff, you're going to read Homer. Uh, exactly, yeah, Boyardee, uh, Beefaroni being my favorite. But uh, this Thor comic, really heavy into that Norse stuff, which is pretty yeah, cool, too. Yeah, solid comic. Yeah. Uh, number three, I guarantee you this is on your list, too. This is Venom. Yeah. I, I have Venom at number three. Uh, because Venom is cooled off, a little bit they're flatlining that story i feel like they're doing that on purpose because he's coming to spider-man yeah i mean and that's probably coming pretty soon too also carnage uh just coming back yeah yeah carnage is coming back so venom's probably worth reading right now and then the second comic uh batman who laughs okay I missed out on all the metal stuff. Yeah. I missed out on every bit of it. And I, it was a, a, one of your situations. I had a, a daughter sure. I mentioned earlier. And so that kind of sidetracked me from pulling books and collecting for a minute. And that was in the heat of all the metal stuff. Yeah. And unfortunately, everybody that I know that reads comic books says that I missed out on something that was special. Because it was just crazy. Right. Like, you name it. It was almost like Injustice. How Injustice just has banana stuff that goes on. All the dark metal stuff, which is crazy. Well, and I hear, I still haven't gone back and read the dark metal stuff. That's why I was so pumped that they were bringing the Batman character back. Right. But like Injustice, it's my understanding that the batty, crazy, off-the-wall, multiverse-type stuff is easy to follow. So if you've never really done much multiverse or or parallel existence or whatever... uh, it's easy to understand what's happening. It was happening. his own kind of thing. Yeah. Right. And then number one for me is Detective Comics. We're coming up on a thousand. We and are. It, I wouldn't be... Like, I'm a Green Lantern guy, um, a Justice League dude, but ahead of everything, I'm a Swamp Thing guy, which is like kind of odd, too. They've got the TV show they're about to do. Exactly, yeah. yeah. But ahead of all of that, Batman. We yeah. mentioned it earlier, man. It's my first comic. You know, it's the first book that I had read to me, and I'm just a Batman nerd. Yeah. But not in, like, the weird way. Yeah, you can't you can't dive crazy into the trivia, but you can do a good bit of it. Uh, Yeah, but I'm also a Batman snob. That's true. You know what I mean? Like, some stuff is not Batman. I got you. Detective Comics right now is. The story's great, and it is about the greatest detective in the world. It's about Batman, and he's solving cases, and he's working with the police, and, like, that's all the stuff that... Batman was to me when I first started reading it, yeah. which primarily is what my list is comprised of here. Yeah, stuff like, that you've always had. That's what I mentioned sentiment for earlier, but I'm excited about hearing yours. All right, so I'm going to put two on the same line here, and I don't know if I'm going to have uh, an order to this. I will tell you Immortal Hulk is on my list because it's just a cool book. It's really well drawn. This Hulk incarnation is awesome. He can only come out at night. Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne. Uh, Bruce Banner is during the day. You can kill Bruce Banner. You can't kill the Hulk. At one point in the comic, my man gets chopped up and put into like j- jars of formaldehyde, and is able and still alive because he's the Immortal Hulk. So some of that stuff's crazy, and they're getting into like his real origin. Wait a minute, is this like a Stephen King Christine deal where he reassembles? He did, yeah. 
Really? Yeah. One of his hands was in a jar, and another hand's in another jar. His head's in one jar. He can't talk. His heart's being dissected over there, but he's still all alive. He doesn't have his tongue or anything like that, nor can he even breathe because his lungs are over there. But he was doing it just to get information. He was spying on what was happening in there. So at dusk, like, I don't understand. Uh, so then at dusk, I, I, well, they never got into that. I don't know if he hung out long enough for that, but I guess it would turn into Bruce at that point, and then it and then it would come back to being the Hulk. I don't know. They didn't get into that. So once he got the information he needed, he snapped his finger, which, of course, is so powerful, it shatters all the uh, glass in there, putting his body parts falling on the floor and together, and he melds back together and becomes a badass. And this Hulk talks, and he's smart, and it's super cool, so Immortal Hulk is on my list. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man I like a lot right now, too. Ryan Otley started this series, and then they jumped to Humberto Rebos, and they've been kind of ping-ponging back and forth. Ryan's been doing it. Uh, but the storylines are cool because it's kind of back to, like, good Peter Parker stuff. When it was Peter Parker and Parker Industries and all this other stuff, like, it was fine, but I don't need Peter Parker to be Tony Stark. I want Peter Parker to be my friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. I think of this uh, Spider-Man run, too, which that's a book that the only reason I left it off the list is because... You know, it's lost some of its heat from when it first came yeah. out. But I did mention Venom, I think, is coming over. Yeah. This Peter Parker, I describe to people as a year two Peter Parker. Okay, yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he's he's not a new Spider-Man, but he's not a veteran crime fighter either. Well, I mean, he, but he is. Right, he but is. he's just trying to get back to what he does best. Right. And he's mending relationships. He and MJ are back together again, so it's cool. And the neat thing about it, if you're not on Amazing Spider-Man now... They're about, Craven's about to happen. Craven's been doing a few things behind the scenes, and we don't know that yet. We kind of do, but not really. But Craven's coming, and they're expecting another big kind of run of uh, Craven trying to take down Spider Man. Also, have Thor on my list, also have Venom, and I think Venom's about to bring back Null, and that'll be it. So here's the two books that I've melded into one, uh, which is Action Comics and Superman. Because I think both of those have been really cool runs right now. I like the fact that Superman and Lois Lane are estranged. She lives in her place. He lives in his. They clearly have booty calls. And so they're still together. That's gonna. I imagine they're going to end up getting divorced. I just. I feel like that's the direction DC is going to head with this. Uh, the fact that uh, uh, Jor-El took his son, Con, uh, you know, Connor. Geez, I went old school on that one. John, and then like took him away, and then now John's back, and he's 17 years old. Five years have gone by. It was three weeks on Earth, five years in space uh, for John, and, and now they're about to have to go after Jarrell for some reason, and that's where we're left. So it's an exciting comic because of it. Even mixed into all that between the two is is Rogel Czar and, and that badass, and uh, Superman left Zod in the Phantom Zone battling Rogel Czar, and we haven't heard hide nor hair of that uh, since it happened. We don't know if Zod is dead or if Zod is turned, but Rogel Zar would never do that. Now I'm going super nerdy for a second. Uh, he would just he would want to kill Zod because he wants to kill all Kryptonians. So you've got that little sub story going in one of them. You've got the Lois Clark thing going on. You've got he, John and Jor-El. Back to Zod too. He could kill Zod relatively easily. I would have to imagine the Rogel Zar. Yeah, any of them. It's just the fact that Superman never gives up and just is always able to to, to kind of dig deep and go. And Phantom Zone, you're going to lose your power eventually. Yep. 
And so even with that, Superman was able to do it. And even Superman at this point, like he's done with Doomsday in the past, is like, I always hold back, but now I'm not going to hold back anymore. Well, unfortunately, when he decides to do that, he's been in the Phantom Zone a little while. But I, I do think that may, maybe Superman could take him. I don't know where that story's going to go, but it's exciting. You know, they've got some cool things going on right now. So that would be mine for the Power Five. That's a good list. And then who knows what we do next week. So cool, though, your list drastically different than mine. I mean, there were some shared titles. Yeah, because there's just some cool books out there. There really are. I love the fact that with Thor, he's getting all these new hammers, and the, the War of the Realms is coming. So I like where Marvel's heading. I like where DC's going. Uh, the one that's not on my list, and we're going we're gonna to get into this with another podcast, uh, Shazam. Oh, Shazam. We'll do, I'll tell you what, next week. Next week, we're going to talk about Shazam because I feel like he should be the greatest hero that exists in either side of the comic world. DC or Marvel should be, should be better than Superman. DC fails at this. They're about to fail in this movie. They're failing right now in the comics, and we're going to get into that next week. Are you reading Justice League right now? I have it, but I'm not currently actually looking at the words. Uh, Scott Snyder is writing that book, and I have heard from a couple of people that that book's getting way better too so there's, it was getting crazy with the source wall stuff i yep. just couldn't follow it i felt like an idiot for a while well there's an outside there's an outside book for you to look at and are you nothing with doomsday clock stuff i have all the doomsday clock stuff again have it read the first issue was not impressed with it everyone's like oh it's so good you got to go back and read it it was just, i didn't get into it so much that i didn't read any of the other ones and i know we're not done with it yet but i just i have them and maybe i'll go back and do them but, you know, maybe I'm not as big as a Watchmen fan as I should be to really appreciate that comic. Mm, or maybe you're a real Watchmen fan and a Watchmen snob like I am, and you believe that the book exists in the original Alan Moore, you know, presentation, yeah. and that that's the end of it. Because when Mandias and uh, Night Owl and everybody got there, when did they get their own comics? Remember they got those, or they, six-issue I never read any of those. Nobody read any of those because yeah. it didn't need to exist. Yeah. And didn't they do a... There was something else, too? Well, HBO's about to do a series that's going to be coming out with it. Yeah, but what's the series? Hey, this Maybe this is next week's podcast. We'll, we'll research too. it and find out what that is All as right, well. Cool. So there you go. There's your stuff to learn about. Don't watch IO on Netflix. Uh, you've got our Power 5. If you're not reading some of those, do it. Uh, there you go. Episode one of No, I Don't Live in My Parents' Basement, recorded, ironically, in my parents' basement. No, that's not that's not true. It's from a studio. All right, here is the podcast extra we did mention during the show. We'd get our social media stuff together before the upload, and we have done so true to our word. Twitter, you can do that, at No Basement Pod. And then for Instagram, if you like the photographs and such, you can do that at No Basement. Follow us. Let's have some fun. Thanks.